homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma and the Sangha. This is a series looking at what the Buddha taught. And we're looking at the Sangiti Sutta, which is in the Diganikaya, Longer Discourses, Chapter 33. This is a different way of looking at Buddha Dhamma, uh, particularly because it's a way of looking at Pali words and getting a bit of a bird's eye view, uh, but maybe not even just a bird's eye view, a deeper dive into some of the teachings of the Buddha. Now, in actual fact, it could be uh, termed maybe even the complete teachings of the Buddha because like uh, the Dasutra Sutta, which is also in the Longer Discourses, and it's discourse number 34, Venerable Sariputta, who is known for his analytical insight, Patisambhidamaka, he has this way of teaching that summarizes and looks into uh, what the Buddha has taught. Now, in both suttas, uh, Venerable Sariputta has collected these teachings into groupings. So groupings up to ten. So you start with ones, then twos, then threes, all the way up to tens. Now many of us have this apprehension or anxiety sometimes around Pali and around not knowing what the Buddha means or hearing words that we've never heard before or teachings that we haven't heard before. And there's a lot that the Buddha teaches, even from the handful of leaves. And so this is one way of looking at uh, the breadth of the Buddha's teachings in one place. Now, the Sangiti Sutta is known as chanting together or reciting together. And the Dasutara Sutta is known as up to tens. So we're going to be looking at the Sangiti Sutta as a way of understanding a little more about the Buddha's teachings to remove some of the anxiety or uh, lack of knowledge at times around what the Buddha taught, also to increase and develop our Pali vocabulary. And this is something that has arisen because there's a meditation group that is currently looking at this in Sinhala, Pali and English, predominantly in Sinhala. And what has been seen is that there is benefit in doing it this way by going through one of the longer discourses of the Buddha and the Sangiti Sutta or the Dasutra Sutta is actually quite a useful one because it compiles the Buddha's teaching into groups. And what's been found is that it improves uh, Pali in terms of hearing the Pali, but also in understanding and storing away, memorizing some of these Pali words as well as getting a better look into maybe some areas of the Buddhist teachings that we haven't come across before, or where we have come across them, that we start to look into other parts of the Sutta Pitaka to see what they actually mean, and to almost like place them in an order or a category so we can recall them, we can pull them out, we can apply them when necessary. So if you're interested in finding out more in this way about what the Buddha taught, about increasing your knowledge in Pali, in being able to pronounce some of these Pali words, translate them a little into English, have a little fun with the Dhamma in a wholesome way, then please follow along. 
We'll begin with a brief introduction to the Sankirti Sutta, which is in the Diganikaya or Longer Discourses, number 33. The background to the Sankirti Sutta is that the Malas of Pava had invited the Buddha to come and use their newly erected meeting hall. And they paid respects and venerated the Buddha. And then they invited him to teach the Dhamma. And the Buddha uh, did his usual thing, uh, offered some teachings. And then later the Buddha uh, retired or asked uh, Venerable Sariputta to give a teaching to the monks. And Venerable Sariputta actually referenced the recent death of Nigantanatha Buddha, who was one of the uh, teachers of the time and had many students. And he referenced how the followers of Nigantanatha Buddha had actually split into two divisions. They were quarreling on various points of their teachers' teachings and basically demonstrating uh, how poorly their teacher had taught them, given that they were in such uh, disarray and uh, on opposing sides. And in contrast, Venerable Sariputta used the Buddha's teaching and, you know, stated how well proclaimed it was, you know, in contrast, and that the bhikkhus should actually recite it together without any disagreement. Uh, almost like saying perfect in the beginning, perfect in the middle, perfect in the end. And the Sangeeti Sutta is actually uh, a means by which the Sangha can actually recite uh, the full Buddha's teachings. And it's very similar to the Dasutara Sutta, which is in the subsequent teaching, uh, Diganikaya 34. Slightly different, but also a lot of similarities. Why should we study the Sangeeti Sutta? Well, there's a number of good reasons actually, and it could easily be said the same for the Dasutra Sutta, because it's a way of familiarizing ourselves with one of the longer discourses, as well as getting a lay of the land, a bird's eye view, an overall perspective on the Dhamma, on the Buddha's teachings. And in both cases, they are teachings given by Venerable Sariputta, who had the Patisambhita Magga, the four analytical knowledges, and Venerable Sariputta was a very good teacher, uh, second to the Buddha, along with Venerable Mahamogalana. But he had this way of distilling the Buddha's teachings into lists, into uh, almost like a summary form in order to remember, but also to learn. And part of it is actually around learning Pali, that Yes, one could easily do a Pali course, but in essence, most of the time, what we all really want to do is learn the Pali words, the ones that are most important or meaningful to learning the Dhamma. And so by looking at the Sangeeti Sutta, it's one method of understanding and familiarizing, but also memorizing Pali words and knowing what they are and uh, the phrasing that is used and the pronunciation and therefore the intended meanings and the right meanings for them. Another thing is that there's a gradual process of learning that as you go through each set, 
uh, you start to feel like you know something, some depth to uh, what the Buddha taught. And naturally, it builds confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. Most of us, when it comes to Pali, can be a little fearful, can also uh, be confused because we've never heard those words before. But when we start to know a few words and start to develop this vocabulary, this phrasing in Pali, being able to understand them in English, then the fear around uh, not knowing, the fear or the discomfort around not understanding reduces. And so this has its own way of building confidence in Buddha Dhamma Sangha. It's also a useful aid for memorization because it comes in sets. And so if we want to be able to remember things, then of course, uh, Venerable Sariputta has used particularly the Sangiti Sutta as a way of chanting together, memorizing together. So it definitely is a useful aid for memorization. And of course, these things can be referenced to other parts of the Sutta Pithika. So if we're interested, if we want to know more, and also as we go through the Sangiti Sutta slowly, then we'll take as much time as possible to do so. It's not going to be a quick kind of uh, this is it and that that's all. It'll actually take a while to go through. But along the way we can reference important suttas that will innate or enable us to understand the Dhamma better. And it can be part of the learning process and it should be taken that way. So we'll begin with the teachings group by one, Eko Dhammo which is actually quite short. There's only two parts to the teachings group by one. Venerable Sariputta begins by stating, there are teachings group by one that have been rightly explained by the Blessed One who knows and sees the perfected one, the fully awakened Buddha. You should all recite these in concert without disputing so that this spiritual path may last for a long time. That would be for the welfare and happiness of the people, for the benefit, welfare and happiness of gods and humans. What are the teachings grouped by one? So in Pali, it's Sabe, Sata, Ahara, Titika. All sentient beings are sustained by nutriment. Sabe, Sata, Sankara, Titika. All sentient beings are sustained by volitional formations. So these are the two Dhammas that Venerable Sariputta has included. And in going through the different groupings, he reaffirms and encourages us by saying, if we recite these, if we know these, then it helps with the spiritual path and for it to last for a long time. And this is for the benefit, welfare and happiness for all living beings. To understand that all sentient beings are sustained by nutriment, this Sabe Sata Ahara Titika, there's the Ahara Sutta, which is in the Sangyutta Nikaya or Linked Discourses, and it's chapter 12, discourse number 11. It says, Because there are these four kinds of nutriment for the maintenance of beings that have already come to be, and for the assistance of those about to come to be, what for? The physical nutriment, gross or subtle, Second is contact. Third is mental volition. Fourth is consciousness. These are the four kinds of nutriment for the maintenance of beings that have already come to be and for the assistance of those about to come to be. 
So we'll definitely come back to the four kinds of nutriment, which is known as Satara Ahara. And it's actually quite an important teaching and one that needs to be meditated on. But for the purposes of understanding this grouping of one, we understand that all sentient beings are sustained by nutriment, by Ahara. A very good sutta to look at if you're interested in understanding more about nutriment is the Puttamansa Sutta. This is the teaching by the Buddha in the Sangyutta Nikaya, and it's the Link Discourses, Chapter 12, Discourse Number 63. And here the Buddha goes into more detail into the four kinds of nutriment, the Satara Ahara. With the physical nutriment, which is Kapalinkara Ahara, this is the simile that the Buddha gives about the sun's flesh. And really here the Buddha is trying to help us to understand the five chords of sensual pleasure, so karma guna. And when it comes to contact as nutriment, pasahara, the Buddha gives a simile about the flayed cow. And here the Buddha is really trying to help us to understand how we get caught up in feelings, vedana. And then mental volition as nutriment, manosanchetana ahara, the Buddha gives a simile about the man dragged to a charcoal pit by two strong men. And here the Buddha is trying to help us understand the three kinds of tanha. So kama tanha, which is uh, craving for sensual pleasures, bhava tanha, which is craving for becoming, and vibhava tanha, which is craving for not becoming. And then we have consciousness as nutriment, which is vinyanahara, and the Buddha gives a simile about the criminal punished by the king. And here the Buddha is really trying to help us to understand name and form, which is nama rupa. So we won't go into more detail, but if you're interested, please go and look at the Puttamansa Sutta. At a later stage, we'll actually go through Satarahara. There's a very good framework which helps us to understand through meditation a way of seeing through each of these nutriments. Because if we can see through, if we can fully understand these four kinds of nutriment, then we can release ourselves from the bond of sansara. The second thing in the groupings of one is all sentient beings are sustained by volitional formations. Sabe, Sata, Sankara, Titika. And a useful sutta is the Kujaniya Sutta, which is in Sangyutta Nikaya, or the Link Discourses, chapter 22, discourse number 79. And what's said is, and why bhikkhus do you call them volitional formations? They construct the conditioned bhikkhus, therefore they are called volitional formations. And what is the condition that they construct? They construct condition form as form. They construct condition feeling as feeling. They construct condition perception as perception. They construct conditional volitional formations as volitional formations. They construct condition consciousness as consciousness. They construct the conditioned because, therefore, they are called volitional formations. So this teaching is actually one way of understanding how all sentient beings are sustained by volitional formations or conditions. And really this is around the fact that there are these five aggregates that we cling to. Because we cling to the five aggregates, uh, we are sustained by them and therefore we create this bondage to samsara and therefore to the whole mass of suffering.
To take this a little further, we can look at the Pachaya Sutta, and this is in the Sangyutta Nikaya, chapter 12, discourse number 27. And it states, there are these three kinds of volitional formations, the bodily volitional formation, the verbal volitional formation, and the mental volitional formation. With the arising of ignorance, there is the arising of volitional formations. With the cessation of ignorance, there is the cessation of volitional formations. Just this noble eightfold path is the way leading to the cessation of volitional formations. That is, right view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. So in the Buddha's words here, you can already see that the Buddha is starting to help us to understand that everything is conditioned. That's how we are sustained in samsara. And it begins with avijja, which is actually pointing to the paticca samuppada, the dependent origination, that with ignorance comes volitional formations or mental fabrications. With that then comes consciousness. Then with consciousness comes name and form. With name and form comes the six sense bases. With the six sense bases comes contact. With contact comes feeling or experience. With that comes uh, craving, this tanha. Then with that comes the clinging, upadana. And then with that you want to come to exist, so bhava. And then that leads to birth, which is jati. And therefore if you have birth, you have dukkha. And with dukkha, you have uh, the whole mass of suffering again because it's old age, sickness and death, and so on and so forth. So this is why it's important that in this grouping of one, the Buddha is encouraging us to look at how we are sustained. So one of them is by nutriment and this other one is by volitional formations or conditions. One other sutta that is useful is the Parivimansana Sutta, which is in Sangyutta Nikaya, again chapter 12, linked discourses, and it's discourse number 51. And this is another way of looking at volitional formations. And the Buddha says, because if a person immersed in ignorance generates meritorious volitional formation, consciousness fares onto the meritorious. If he generates a demeritorious volitional formation, consciousness fares on to the demeritorious. And if he generates an imperturbable volitional formation, consciousness fares onto the imperturbable. So the first one is uh, punya sankara, which is the meritorious. And then you have the demeritorious, which is the apunya sankara. And the imperturbable is the anenja sankara. And so the Buddha goes on to say, but when a bhikkhu has abandoned ignorance and aroused true knowledge, then with the fading away of ignorance and the arising of true knowledge, he does not generate a meritorious volitional formation or a demeritorious volitional formation or an imperturbable volitional formation. Since he does not generate or fashion volitional formations, he does not cling to anything in the world. Not clinging, he is not agitated, not being agitated, he personally attains Nibbana. He understands, destroyed is birth, the holy life has been lived, what had to be done has been done, there is no more for this state of being. This is actually quite a lovely statement. 
but the reason why this has been included is just another way of looking at volitional formations, that it's not just bodily, verbal and mental, but there are also these meritorious, demeritorious and imperturbable volitional formations. So it's another category that the Buddha provides in order for us to understand. But the key thing, as with both types of categorization of volitional formations, is that they're linked to ignorance. So when we have the cessation of ignorance, the cessation of avijja, then there is no more volitional formations. So that's the key. And to finally reinforce this last part, you have both the Papata Sutta, so Sangyutta Nikaya 56, Discourse 42. It's also appearing in a number of other suttas. It appears in the Mahaparilaha Sutta, Sangyutta Nikaya 56, Discourse number 43. And then also the Andakara Sutta, which is again uh, Sangyutta Nikaya 56, Discourse 46. And the same thing is said. Those ascetics and Brahmins, Bhikkhu, who do not understand as it really is, this is suffering, who do not understand as it really is, this is the origin of suffering, who do not understand as it really is, this is the cessation of suffering, who do not understand as it really is, this is the way leading to the cessation of suffering. So this is the Buddha talking about the Four Noble Truths, that if one doesn't understand the Four Noble Truths, then they delight in volitional formations that lead to birth, in volitional formations that lead to aging, in volitional formations that lead to death, in volitional formations that lead to sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure and despair. Delighting in such volitional formations, they generate volitional formations that lead to birth, uh, that lead to aging, that lead to death, that lead to sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and uh, despair. Having generated such volitional formations, they are not freed from birth, aging, and death. They are not freed from sorrow, lamentation, pain, displeasure, and despair. Not freed from suffering, I say. So that's why it's really important to understand these volitional formations, how things are conditioned. Otherwise, we are bound to... Uh, samsara and the way out as the buddha has emphasized in all these suttas is that to understand the four noble truths to understand how do we create this birth and how do we not create this birth and the noble eightfold path is actually the way that we do this we correct the view we have the right intentions and the right kind of contact through a uh, conduct sorry through body speech and mind and therefore we develop the right kind of mindfulness with the right effort and therefore the right concentration. And so in this way, what we're doing is we're developing higher virtue, so uh, then the higher concentration of mind and therefore the wisdom. And that's how we get out of samsara. That completes the grouping of one in the Sangiti Sutta. So we've looked at Sabe, Sata, Ahara Titika, which is we are all sustained by nutriment. And then we've also looked at Sabe Sata Sankara Titika, which is we are all sustained by conditions or volitional formations. So in this way, we've included in our vocabulary about Ahara, which is the nutriment, uh, Sankara, which is volitional formations, and 
established ourselves in understanding a little more about these uh, ideas, this knowledge that the Buddha is conveying to us. So we can share the merit with all sentient beings. May all beings be happy and well. May all beings be free from suffering. Blessings of the Triple Gem, wishing you all well. Teruan Saranai.